So like, I'm like the radio voice, but I have no projection. Mm. It's weird. The older I get, it's like my voice is dropping, but people across the room can't hear me anymore. Rafiq is like the guy who only yells. <laughs> he, he, he talks but to yell. And I, then and then we have a new soft-spoken man. So I, this is going to be a very weird mix. Yeah, I have always had the issue of like when I am talking in a circle of people, like I talk at the same volume regardless of what's going on. So like <laughs> it, it's like yeah, when there's a crowd of, yeah, disorder. When, when it's when there's a crowd of people, people are like, Oh, you always speak so softly. And it's like, Yeah, because the rest of you are yelling. <laughs> but then when we're like in a quiet space, it's like, Why the fuck are you yelling? And it's like, Oh, I haven't changed at all. <laughs> Who uh, are you? And uh, what is this? So what's going on around here? I mean, that's a very good question. I ask that once a night. <laughs> <laughs> Every day in the mirror. <laughs> but uh my name is Rafiq Shaheen, and this is So How About This. What? And who would you be? Well, they sir? call me Alan Dempsey. Ah. But I wonder what they call this guy. This guy is Devin Alexander. Devin I like Alexander. That's right. I, That's a very uh, f- official name. Yeah. Hello, I am Devin Alexander. Two first names. Yeah. Right? De- yeah, Devin Alexander <laughs> sounds like the kind of name that like a super spy in a movie. Gets. I was just thinking like, super spy. <laughs> I swear to God, I was just thinking that. I would love to be able to pull off a super spy. Right. Well, you got kind of the Magnum PI mustache. Well, I was about going to say right you, you've now. got like, the uh, you've really got the uh, what are they, what's that village people mustache going on right now? <laughs> Which is fine. You're rocking the hell out of it. Yeah. But also, you're kind of draw attention. That's probably not super spy. You don't want everyone in the room noticing the super spy, right? That's true. That's true. To me, like when I look in the mirror, I look like I would cry if I fell off my invisible motorcycle. (laughs) That's that's what the like, like, like you're tough enough to own a motorcycle and be like badass enough to ride it, but you still get emotional if you fall off of it. You're like, yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I would cry if I had one. I'm sure. I (laughs) it. So if you want to talk, speaking about earlier about bad memories, uh, if you want to talk a fucked up moment in my life, uh, there is a significant portion of me that's been like, I would love to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Uh, I have always kind of wanted to uh, like learn how to ride a motorcycle. Is that uh, so you can be bad? No, oh, it's, okay. it's specifically because... That it, was a joke for the 60 and older crowd. Yes. You're welcome. For everyone who's seen Wild Hogs, <laughs> this is a joke specifically for you. Yeah. Uh, or if you were in it. But uh, so I, like the whole reason why is I always loved that motorcycle chase scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as a kid because mm-hmm. I used to watch that movie religiously. Uh, and there's something about like that classic like 1950s like James Dean kind of cycle and sidecar thing that I go like, Oh, I love that. Like, I love the image of that. And like, I wanted to learn the first time I told my mother that I wanted to do that. She responded like most African women and started openly crying and <laughs> said, so you just want me to die. That 
So as, what a way to make something about you, right? right? So essentially, I'm waiting until my mother passes before I consider buying a motorcycle in my lifetime. Well, that gives you enough time to purchase as much leather as you can wear. Oh, I own leather finally- for other reasons. Oh, <laughs> hey now, cha-ching! That was uh, that was me pulling the bar on a on a machine and getting cash coming out the bottom for for those of you who didn't see my mime on this podcast hey mr alexander how long you making with the yuck yucks on stage um this past february was eight years nice wow eight years i think i started in 2014 okay how do you feel You've changed because it's kind of interesting uh, seeing where you're at in comparison to our last guest, because he's just kind of coming back to comedy. You've been with it for eight years. I've been with it for about eight years. You've been circling. Yeah. Out out of the loop for at least four or five at this point. Right. So like, how do you feel you've changed comedically since you first started? I mean, it, I don't even like thinking about when I first started. That's how bad it (laughs) was. I was so bad when I first started, but I guess every everyone usually is like right. you don't have yeah. not not everybody has the like Biggie Smalls kind of gene where they can just jump into something and be fucking fantastic at. To to at be it. fair, I don't think even with Biggie that we like he was great when he got into it, but I think he got better over time. For sure, you of know? course. So like, but he's got that remarkable like freestyle of him at seventeen. Yeah, on it's a circling YouTube, but. He was 17 and fucking battle rapping grown men and beating them. So, okay, rather than contrast, well, I guess you can't. I was going to say rather than contrast then and now, like, let's just go with now. Like, what are you now? Where are you now? What is your, are you doing observational? Are you doing, what are you doing, pal? (laughs) What's on the mind? Yeah, I like how you got more antagonistic (laughs) as that question went off. That's how, see... This is how you be abusive. You take the inward anger of realizing you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and then you project that out on the other person and make it their problem. I am so <laughs> glad I rethought what you just said right now because I legitimately for a moment thought you said you take the N-word anger. That's exactly not the, what not I the thought. <laughs> well, I mean, that's anger you deal with every day, right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's like, so when I first started, I was you know, like, you're so anxious to get a punchline out. So like I was writing real quick, like set up punchline jokes like mm-hmm. one liners. Yeah. And then I was also a big stoner when I first started. So <laughs> like I was emulating Mitch Hedberg, like right. this, this stoner character. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I'm a lot more comfortable with who I am. So it's kind of turned into like this storytelling like How old were you when you started? 20. I think I just turned 21. Yeah. Okay. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. I was able to, when I was able to go into the improv. So you had, you had to be 21 to go yeah. to the bar. Yeah. I started my first time on stage. I was 30. So I already kind of had a sense. I mean, I, I I'm not going to say I was good, <laughs> but you know, I, there was a groundedness of like, I, I kind of know who I am and right. I kind of know where my perspective is and what, you know, I wasn't like, eagerly chomping for their laughs. I was like, well, no, I, I know I'm trying to build and get to the whatever. I made it about me. <laughs> no, that's what it is. I yeah. mean, that's what why we all do it. We all have this like need for validation. <laughs> right. So. right. 
So for me, comedy has always been kind of weird because like I uh, absolutely agree with you about that need for validation. But my introduction to it was through Rob mm. and uh, in a very weird way. Rob, last name. Bruce. And he was one of our early episodes. I remember, you should I go download him. that episode. You can't sushimi. Right. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so for me, my introduction to comedy was he was doing comedy before me. We had been friends for like 10 years at that point. All right. And then one night I'm at a show with him at this fucking Peabody's billiard room. I remember, is that on and Bush or, or, uh, or it's on Bruce, Bruce B. Downs. Downs? Yeah. And like they're doing a show there. And like, I guess like one of the comics didn't show up or whatever. And so he just goes like, hey, go up and fill time. And I, I go never like, have done it before. Yeah, and I go like, wh- I go, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, and he's like, just go up and talk for like five. minutes. I wonder if I was there that night because I remember seeing you. I didn't even know your name, but like, it was like one of those things. I had seen a guy, and then later saw a guy, and then eventually put two and two together. <laughs> oh, that was that guy. I saw that one yeah, time. You're like that dude ate a bunch of dicks, and now he's <laughs> right. eating a bunch of dicks here, and now I know who he is. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But like, uh, so you know, but like we'd been friends forever, so I was just like, all right, fine, fuck it. Like I'll go up, you know, like uh, and fucking fill time, you know. And so like I went up and I ate a bag of dicks. How nervous were you? I was, I was actually not nervous. I've never been nervous talking in front of people. That's not the problem for me. It's the problem. The nervous thing for me comes not from the act of speaking, but from the like, are they enjoying this or am I just wasting your time? So you it's know. more like self-analytical, like yeah. so it's nervousness in the moment, which has got to be the worst kind of nervousness. <laughs> right. Well, so the flip side of that though is like so the nights when I have hero nights, mm-hmm. I am completely free. Right. The the description I've always that's had, why you had a hero night because yeah. you weren't in your head. Yeah. The the like the guy the thing I've always described with, uh, to Alan was like to me being on the stage, the main stage or whatever stage, is like doing a high wire act or mm-hmm. like a trapeze act. Yeah. And like when I hit the moment I know I'm going to fucking have the hero night is that moment where I feel like I'm just flying. Because then I'll just start talking about shit and it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. I go like, Oh no, I got this handled. Like, I, I, I got you pegged. I got you pegged. I can just start talking about whatever weird hobby or thing or whatever. And I know I got it covered because even if they go, oh, boo, we don't like your fucking, uh, what was that bit I used to do about her killing her kid? Shit. Uh, and it worked. Well, that was that the thing. was that, that was his closer. So that, that's, that, that's how we'd bring the house down. And then she murdered her kid. Waka waka, and he would pull two horns out of his pocket and go honk honk. No, so uh, she was she's from Florida, Casey Anthony. Oh, Casey Anthony yeah. So I used to do a bit about Casey Anthony, fucking you know, and I used to end it with like. You know, I like I was stuck behind or I was on a flight to Japan and there was this kid crying for the whole fucking flight. So it's a 14 hour, 45 minute flight from here to Tokyo. This kid cried the whole way. And I was, you know, about hour eight. I was like, I get it. (laughs) You know, and so I would end it with like, this is the reason why I told you people I'm. Empathetic, not sympathetic. 
<laughs> you know, I, I get where the emotion's well, coming from. I just don't agree with it. You, know? you look like you were having a, a revelatory moment with the whole high wire. I act. just, uh, I get it because it's kind of like a, uh, it's like a free flow of thinking where it's like, you don't have to think about your next thought. You know, you're right. Already, it's like, well, it's sense memory yeah. is what it is. You're, you know, when you're a trapeze artist, you're not thinking I must put this foot here and that foot like it's you've done it X amount of times. But then there's also that connective moment, meaning there's your sense memory. I know this act. I know what to say. I know how long to pause. But then there's also like, oh, I have established a relationship we are in a conversation, even though it's a one-sided conversation. Like I can, I think that kind of sounds more like what you're talking about, Rafiq, where it's almost like, oh, I've got you now. And now I can kind of drag you along. And then I, and it, it also frees you up to go like, well, I can take a little more space on this one because, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, well, it's a, it's a sense of trust that you get with like a crowd. Like you can see it with uh, with younger comics where they'll just like go out and right away just start talking about dick sucking or right, something yeah. really inappropriate. And the crowd's like, I'm not going to even laugh <laughs> yeah. if you say anything that's funny because you've made me so uncomfortable within the first 30 seconds. Right. It, it's that weird thing of like, there's always that moment where you can tell who's going to survive the class, you know, it going forward. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I saw you last week and you just whipped out your cock. <laughs> to this woman in the front row and she wasn't having it. But this week you came back and you asked her first if that was okay. So, you know, but still terrible, those, but hey, it was but good for you. Those guys, <laughs> there are those guys who like become a different guy overnight. You ever seen that? I've Where it's seen like that. an open micer, he's clearly an open micer, he doesn't know what he's doing. And then like two weeks later, a different person comes. It's like, who the hell is this? Where did this guy come from? You know? That's how I felt when I moved back from from uh, New York. When I, because mm -hmm. I left here in 2015, and then came back in 2017, and then there's like a whole new class of people in Tampa that are fucking awesome that make me nervous before mm. going up. Right. There's a bunch of guys and girls so, that are fucking. And this awesome. is after being in New York. Yeah. Wow. Right. So yeah. Th that's actually a good uh, segue into like the next question I was going to ask is. For you, when did you feel you had had that moment where you're like, the pond is too small. I got to move to a bigger pond. Well, honestly, I had it early, probably too early. Like mm -hmm. I was telling you, I did a guest spot for Ian Edwards. I have it on film or video. It's not film anymore. It's mm -hmm. fucking <laughs> file. Was, was, there a guy in, was there a guy in the back with a hand crank filming it? Clack, 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 yeah, clack. he had a lion on a box mm -hmm. just watching. Yeah. Just uh, sitting there. He was like, ah, oh, I need more magnetic tape in yeah. order to get this all on. <laughs> uh, but I went over to LA and got that spot just from knowing people who knew people who needed us, um, someone to go up. And I was probably too young of a comic to be on that show, mm. but it was great because I got the experience. So, but one of the, I've talked about it before. Jonas was one of the first people that told me to take the video down. It sucks. Uh, You're a much better comic than that video. Don't let anybody see that. I've shit. got, I've got a couple out there on like official sites that I don't want out there on official right. sites. Yeah. It sucks. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. It hurts, but it's like, ah, you're fucking right. No. Yeah, it, it's it's very weird because there's that whole thing of like, 
I, I need these videos to show people I'm capable, but at the same point in time, it's like, this is not a great video. Yeah, not at all. Like, I was just so proud of it because I was like, it's my first spot in LA. It's for right. Ian Edwards. I was like young and naive and didn't know any better. But then I also got lucky because my fiance now was um, in acting school in New York. So when we hooked up, she was already living and established in New York. So I was able to just kind of like go stay on her couch right? while we had sex. And then I could be <laughs> like, how's the New York scene? You know? Like, I like how you had to throw that in <laughs> as if, what do boyfriends and girlfriends do <laughs> and fiancés? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, when we got together, it was a little uh, rocky road yeah. because she was in a situation with somebody else and, no. That was not good, and then I was able to. You're make like, her laugh. I'm let me sip to... my tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was able to, you know, like, swing uh... my spider web her way. Oh, <laughs> dog, that's a terrible Whoa. metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> that is hey now. the the problem with that metaphor is it's too visceral. Like when you said that, I immediately imagined your dick just shooting out a spider web, <laughs> and I don't want, I don't want that in my life. That's that's like, part of the spider verse. I'm yeah. sure one of them. <laughs> that, yes, I'm that's sure smart. one of them has that power. There's one out there. Somebody's uh. found the wrong Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. sure. Oh yeah, dude. One of my favorite panels from comic books in general in recent years was in Spider-Man where it's uh, it's during that recent Spider-War they did where they brought in a bunch of Spider-Men from all over the universe and there's <clears throat> Spider-Man in a black costume and a, one in a red costume and they're just talking and he goes like is it weird that so many of the Spider-Men are like Japanese and then the guy in the red one goes like, no, why is that weird? He's like, oh, God, I hope I'm not racist, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, I would subscribe to that series, Racist Spider-Man. <laughs> was that the one in the black costume that was like, I hope I'm not the racist yeah. one? Well, <laughs> I guess he gets a pass, right? He's right. Like, <laughs> in a black sure. costume. 100%. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about Spider-Man. Like, if, when you're talking about Spider-Man and race, one of the things I love about it is the character because he is in a full-fledged costume unlike a lot of other superheroes. Like, he does make jokes about race that are way better just because you don't know who... Like, there is one where he's in a courtroom and a bunch of people are... Like, he's arguing about J. Jonah Jameson and they're like, why do you think J. Jonah Jameson hates you? And he's like... Because I'm black. And it's like, <laughs> J. Jonas said there, he's like, oh, no, I have black friends. And you're like, that's great writing. <laughs> like, how would you say, I mean, I, I guess we have tried to do this three times now, but how would you say it's evolved from being jokey jokey to more personal? I guess you said more personal. Yeah, I think it's just living life, like over time. And then... What's your approach? Let me ask it that way. Like when you're developing something new now. A lot of it's based off of like a, yeah, I guess it's an observation or just a thought I have in an experience itself. Mm -hmm. So like in a personal experience, my observational humor is not the great. Like it's yeah. like I saw this billboard for Wendy's and they said they're serving breakfast now. Mm -hmm. with And on the billboard, there was a picture of a double cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> like that to me is not them telling me they're serving breakfast. That just means you're serving cheeseburgers at seven. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. my observational yeah. humor. It's horrible. <laughs> See, no, but here's the thing. And this is something I've told you before. I 
have always felt that I think your material is great because the idea of them having a cheeseburger up there, I go, yeah, that's ridiculous. The problem I've always felt though, and you know, you can chide me on this too, is that I feel like the idea is sound. It's just, you can't quit on it. Like you have to really hammer down on the fact of like Wendy's has decided cheeseburgers are a breakfast food (laughs) and I will take no guff on this. If I want to eat five guys at fucking 7 a.m. with a trash bag full of fries, Wendy says it's okay, and I ain't going to take your shit, Greg. <laughs> yeah, at that point, you just should get uh, a snake drain for uh, your, 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 toy. your toy and your Happy Meal so you can unclog your fucking arteries. <laughs> there it is. That's your joke. That's your observational joke. You just nailed it. You, that's how that you, you get to that. It just takes in my mind. I think on a on a stage, it's just harder to try and because you Dig have to spend time. Yeah, yeah, you have to spend time, and then you're at an open mic trying new shit, and it's like I have five other ideas I want to try. So, but one of the best pieces of advice I've always gotten, and I always go back to, is like that five minutes is your own, right? Even if the audience is not feeling you at all, it's like I don't give a fuck. Like I, ain't, you didn't pay money to see me, you know, like. I can do whatever I want up here. I can I can do my entire set and just take off the bottom half of my pants. There ain't jack shit you're gonna do about it, you know. You know you you mentioned like a hero quote unquote hero moment. That feeling I love the feeling of when you go to a, a situation whether whether it be a showcase or an open mic and everybody's like can feel the nerves in the room like the crowd's tight. So it makes comics feel a little more tense. And you can feel that. I love that feeling because it makes me go up with less of a fuck. Yes. Given. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I felt that um, at uh, Divine a couple of weeks ago. And fucking, I went up and did my new stuff that I'm working on. And Matt gave me a compliment about one of my jokes. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so th- this is what I'm going to po- uh, propose as terminology. You don't like hero moments. You like villain moments. <laughs> you don't want to go up there. Well, and no, really hold on. You want to be the hero. You don't want to walk into the room as the hero. You want to save the kid from the burning building. Yeah. And so be a hero. That makes me a hero. Right. right? That's, <laughs> I think that's what I'm hearing. See, that's fair. I, to me, I use the proposed uh, villain, though, because I go, it's not about saving the kid per se. It's the, I can come in here and do as I please, and you yeah. motherfuckers can't stop me. One of my favorite moments on stage, I said something really vulgar and offensive, and everyone started like going, oh, and I just like held up my arms, and I go, yes, give me your hate. I feed on it. So... As far as comedy is concerned and like the evolution of comedy, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I found this fascinating, when I was getting ready for this interview, I looked up your name in association to comedy, and you're not the most famous comedian with the name Devin Alexander. Oh, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> there is a This is going to be a problem for SAG Afra. <laughs> right. Oh, it hurts. So, so there is a female comedic chef who pops up Stop. first. No. I can't a female comedic chef. 
That were those the words that just came out of your mouth? The, those were the words that were described on her website. Is she a stand-up or she makes like funny YouTube videos and then claims to be a comedian? So my understanding, at least she from brings the- a hibachi onto the <laughs> stage and tells wacky jokes while she's making hibachis. I'm not gonna lie. Punchline is here, catch it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. If I was at the improv and that shit was going on on stage and she was serving the room, I'd be like, no, this was worth the twenty bucks. I know. Uh, I know a certain kitchen manager at the improv who would probably love for her to serve people food. <laughs> she's just telling jokes individually as she like rolls on by the table and like lays a platter down. <laughs> I think I think the uh, the lesson here is if you start to really get famous, you're gonna have to do a Michael Keaton. Where, because uh, his name is actually Michael Douglas, and there was already a Michael Douglas, so he had to become Michael Keaton. Well, I can always go revert to my last name. So Devin Alexander is my first and middle name, so I could always just be like, oh, I guess I gotta be my government name and go as Devin so, Pickett or uh, D. Pocket. You could just pick it. Pickett. DP. Okay. You just oh, be- that's right. You used to go by Pickett way back in the day. Yeah, I started and- to, and then I was like, you know what? Two first names. That sounds... I'm telling you, it sounds official. Yeah. Uh, So the reason why I bring her up, though, is... uh, So she is what pops up first. And then the next thing that pops up is your podcast. So I... And there's also a dude in British Canada who's named Devin uh, Devin Alexander who pops up when you Google it. uh, And he does stand up, too. Uh, which is kind of weird because there so, was a, there's a few of us. There's yeah, a, so. there, there's really only one solution, and that's deathmatch. Uh, I was gonna say I'll, Highlander. Rules. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say we we all have to have a cook off for our name, <laughs> <laughs> but it has to end in death. If you're if you're a dish is subpar, you get the butcher knife in the throat. It's. I, I kind of like the idea of just uh, having to retire as a person. No, I like, like that. You, like, you just go, like, oh, my goodness. Wait, retire as a person? <laughs> yes. I renounce my humanity. Right, I exactly. retired as a person. Exactly. Like, you just have to go home, sit in a chair for the rest of your life. I'm, I can't come out in public. Fucking Devin won. Like, he, <laughs> he came out on stage. He beat the dude from British Canada. I thought I was going so to kill with like the fucking a, hibachi act. And a Devin middle fucking ages, sucked. Like a middle ages hermit. You have to wear a certain <laughs> outfit and live in a rock. Uh, so I wanted to ask, as someone who has developed comedically on stage and off stage, do you feel those skills are like intertwining now? Do you feel like one of them ha- kind of set you up for the other or? Well, I, you know, I started a podcast like within maybe an hour or an hour, a, a year's. <laughs> that that, that feels right. I had the idea at six. At seven, I hit record. <laughs> uh, within a year's worth of like starting stand up, me and uh, Michael, do you remember Michael Park? Yes. So he's my best friend. He's kind of my introduction to comedy. He was starting open mics first and then was like, hey, you should come watch me one day. And then I just never stopped coming to the open mics at, at the improv. And then we, we naturally, I mean, we grew up together. So like we hung out. So I was like, we should just fucking put a mic in the middle of the room and record. And you, so you, you have a much I, cooler Rob story than I do. I, <laughs> the story you're telling 
is so unfamiliar to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, that the, that's the, usually how they start anyways. Right. The hilarity that I just brought, that's why I'm yeah. where I am today. Yeah. It, it, yes, it is why <laughs> yeah, you're uh-huh. where you're yep. today. So I think it's honestly, I mean, podcasting now helps because I can develop, kind of develop an idea. Uh-huh especially if I just do one on my own, it's kind of just me ranting and then trying to find, like if I have a premise, I can try and I can spend the time to try and find a punchline. So, or so you have two of them and one is with your fiance, right? Yeah. But that one's not taken so seriously. Like I'll just, I'll be like, so it's been a month. Are we going to put a new episode out? And she's mm. like, meh. Yeah. So that's kind of a like chronicling of your lives more and yeah. more than a this is entertainment we put out for it, the masses. It's about it's about staying on the couch and having sex on the couch. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? A podcast where you just hear sex sounds. <laughs> well no, I was thinking about. So it's just every episode is another recounting. Now let's talk about the fourth time we had sex on the couch. <laughs> What's funny though is like the first episode or like it's like the first or second. We talk about how each of us has shit on the couch, literally have sharded on mm. our couch. Oh, wow. I did that last night. Dude, and you know, it just happens. Sometimes it just squeaks so out. It's a big old circle of apparently not a part of <laughs> Now I got you dog great. Now I got to go home and shit on my couch, and it's a white couch. So you can be part <laughs> of the game. <laughs> join, join the fun. But what's funny, though, is her we, her mom like saw her posting about uh, how we have a podcast, and the first episode was up, and her mom was like, oh, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Within the first few minutes, she's like, oh, God, yeah. shit, you're talking about shit? <laughs> Dude, that is, it's always so weird when your parents get involved in, like, social media. Like, I found out mom, my mom, has the fucking Twitter account, and she has more followers than I do. That's awesome. Like, and that's one of those things of, like, Is she why? telling her favorite like, joke? Oh, I wish I, my mom has one joke. It's not even a joke. It's a parable. Right. And she will tell it to you (laughs) once. And then throughout the night, every time she passes you, she'll just repeat it to you in passing. And it's amazing. That's so good. And to me, the brilliance of it is I have literally listened to this joke for 33 years. (laughs) And there's a certain kind of insanity. It really that comes is a hysterical. It really like you. It 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 starts to transcend the actual interaction. Yeah, it goes into this weird delirium. It's amazing. It's an like, amazing like, experience. Knowing that would make it funny because like if I just had met her and she just did it and I'd be like, huh? So would that, I be caught off guard? Yes. That, yes. The answer is yes. So, but I had been prepared because we had talked about it on this podcast. He told the joke. So I think maybe one of us even brought it up. Like, hey, why don't you tell us that joke, you know? And then I swear to God. I mean, I had just met this woman throughout the evening. And I think, actually, because there was the wedding dinner. Right. And then there was the wedding itself. And I think at the, so days later, every time I pass her at the wedding, she's like shouting the punchline at me. Right. It was amazing. It was fucking amazing. And, and this is kind of the thing that I talk about because if you don't get that preface, it still becomes funny. It just takes longer. Because again, imagine a little old lady yeah. comes by. Imagine the punchline to the story is that's why I wear kinky boots. 
right? Imagine that's the only line that's the te- supposed to be the takeaway. And then you go a day or two, and then she sees you again. She's like, that's why I wear kinky boots. And you're like, okay. And then... You see her again three weeks later. That's why I wear kinky Dude, boots. Dude, it's, it's really like that. It's fantastic. Right. Then you see her an hour later that same day. That's why I wear kinky boots. <laughs> Do this it starts for to hit, It like, really starts to hit this weird hallucinatory, like, what is happening? Yeah, it's like a twilight zone. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, and it's like, you will literally, like, see her an hour later, and it's like, punchline and you're like okay and then you will see her five minutes after you just saw her and again it's like punchline and you're like <laughs> like he's talking about with the hallucinogen uh, hallucinogen of it of you're sitting a moment you're like i i don't know if you know you just told me do <laughs> i know? is there a which, deeper which, joke here that the, i'm the, missing the, like, you don't know the whole joke is just a gaslighting right. <laughs> it's just to make you question your sanity it, it is beautiful um so yes parents and social media so uh <laughs> when you're talking about uh, her mom listening in uh, to like the first episode. I gotta say, like, was that the moment where she was like sending a text message where she was like, "You need to delete this now." No, it or was. was she- it was even better because she was listening to it in her car with her fifteen-year-old and twelve-year-old mm. niece and nephew, mm. and like the first few minutes, you just hear shit talk. <laughs> I was on a podcast and. <laughs> I can't remember. Now I'm telling the story and I can't remember exactly how. Something happened where I was like, so we can say whatever we want. And she was like, yeah, because I didn't know if we were G-rated or whatever. And like right after she said, yeah, I said, oh, so I can say cunt fuckler. (laughs) And then instantly she goes, oh, wait a minute. My eight-year-old niece is listening to this episode. I'm like, well, fuck. (laughs) You opened the door. (laughs) Was it it like a live stream? Yeah, it was like one of those back, like, that was that weird period where everyone was doing like an internet radio show that you had to like tune into, yeah. which I never understood. Why can't I just download it later? But it was like one of those things. And then the eight year old calls in. I had just said cunt fuckler and the eight year old <laughs> calls in and like, I have a joke. It was, it was bad. Yeah. But I mean, an eight year old in 2022 has to use the word cunt on like a daily <laughs> sure. basis. I mean, if you're not, what are you even doing? Right. <laughs> I like the idea of has to use the word. Like the eight-year-old, like the mom you're not is just get checking your day. up. Yeah. You're not going to get through your day without dropping a cunt fuckler. Like mom is just checking up at the end of the night. It's like, did you brush your teeth? Yeah. Did you, uh, did you, did you call you me cunt? <laughs> yeah. Good girl. Right? <laughs> did you call someone a cunt fuckler? It's like, yeah. Did you? <laughs> what, I was the, what was the context? Right? <laughs> Did you use it in a funny way? How about that? Like a parent being really like judgmental of your humor. Like, I'm sorry, your context wasn't very good and your timing uh, was awful. Uh, I cannot imagine that. See, we're going through that with my fiance's nephew. He's really obsessed with that's what she said. Mm-hmm. And oh. every and he just will say it. And I like I almost threw a remote at him. <laughs> because like, dude, you have I'm like, you're listen, you have a powerful few words to land a joke. <laughs> right. I was like, your context is off. 
And I was like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. As a comic, you just want to correct to be like, that's not how the structure works, motherfucker. Like, but you're also like, this is an eight year old that if I start off the sentence with or end the sentence with motherfucker, people are going to approve of that at Publix. Like, he's also like on Fortnite and like playing online video games. Oof. So like he's, you've got like, if there are kids on online video games, you're hearing the worst shit that you could think of. Yeah, well, because it's like everyone can just get... It's so weird. When I was a kid, the idea of, like, swearing around other people, even other 14-year-olds, was like, ooh, fucking Devin said, fuck, I'm going to go home and tell mom. And it's like, oh, no, because then she's going to tell my mom. Now you're just, like, listening to a kid who's like, I'll fucking fuck your mother, you motherfucker. And you're just like, dude... I can hear Barney in the background. What the fuck? (laughs) I distinctly remember because I grew up with the same group of kids uh, in school. I was in a really small school. So it was like the same five, six guys hanging out every year. And you could start to like catalog like when they started allowing themselves to swear. You know what I mean? Like when you hit about. They started out out, small. Yeah. Like like when you hit out. Yes. Yeah. You know, like. You wouldn't hear it constantly, but every now and then you'd hear a fuck, and you'd go, oh, well, I guess Chad swears now. <laughs> you know, and you had this like mental checklist of like which one of us curses, you know? See, I grew up very different, man. I grew up with like alternative gothic, like punk rock parents. Like my stepdad has that, an anarchist tattoo. That, nice. I was going to say, that sounds like such a kick-ass way to grow up. Like, <laughs> it was cool. I mean, like my mom was very like... When I got to be a teenager and like South Park was already like being like a big thing in our household, like right. I knew the worst. You're watching South Park with mom, with yeah. mom and dad. Yeah, mom's like, like, "Hey, motherfucker, come <laughs> check this out. Check out this shit." Yeah, like they they saw the movie, and when it came out, we all saw the movie. Wow. Like, yeah, like, uh, but she was real big on like not saying fuck, like. You can say then. Wait, isn't that the whole point of the movie though? <laughs> no, like for me, she wasn't letting me, she wouldn't let me oh, okay. say fuck in front of her. She, but I could say like, oh, this sucks ass or oh, I got to go take a shit. Or, mm. uh, and I have always found it weird that people will make that distinction where it's like, you can't say the word dong dingler. But you can say the word. Well, you know what cut that fucker. And it's just you like, know what that is. It's it's I would guess that it's not even about your parents. It's about the other kids and about the other parents. Yeah. Probably. And what they your parents think. really don't give a shit that you said the word fuck. It's about, it's the same reason you have to lie to your kid about Santa Claus. You don't really care about Santa Claus. You don't care about it keeping up that illusion. But if you don't lie to your kid about Santa Claus, I mean, I'm stealing this whole bit from Rogan. But if you don't lie to your kid about Santa Claus, then that kid goes to school and tells everybody else there's no Santa Claus. And now you're the guy who fucked it up for everybody else. That's you true. Know? And then you're, most, you're the most hated in the school. And then I'm just, I'm just how, do, how do anarchist rebellious parents keep a kid in line? Do they try? <laughs> uh, my mom tried. Like when when we were younger, we'd get like spanked with a wooden spoon or, or okay. like like they would try that's pretty anarchist <laughs> well one day she used a plastic spoon on my brother and it broke and then we all just started laughing and then that was like the end of us being like corporally <laughs> like well this shit doesn't work yeah like and she raised like two boys so it's like we were constantly fighting with each other and then my brother ended up being like a drug addict by 13 Bipolar schizophrenic oh. was arrested in the eighth grade 
for plotting to Columbine our middle school. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this is what I had to live up to. He <laughs> <laughs> really set a standard. <laughs> so like, which kind of like, that whole idea for him was not cool. But like when I went back to school, when I was in eighth grade, everybody knew who was my brother. And they were like, yeah, we're not fucking with him. Oh, because he'll Columbine our yeah, asses. Like yeah. that, that kid's cool. Let him paint his fingernails black. It's not. But a within big deal. the home, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this because I was raised very. I had really interesting, cool parents. They were very cool, and they kind of let me breathe and be myself. But also, we were very rigidly Christian. My dad's a pastor, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, in terms of like, I guess at the end of the day, my parents weren't super rigidly strict, but they had this foundation of there is strictness that we all must abide by. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, well, like, like, how does a, you know, kind of free-spirited anarchist, you like, know? Dude, was there a moment where your parents were like, you need to go to school and study hard so that way you can burn the system down from the inside? Right. Or were they... I mean, I think that's an honest question. Isn't I, ne- it? I never got that. You know, like, I think you were probably raised a lot like my mom. My mom had a minister for a mom and mm. a pastor for a dad. There you go. And they were constantly moving because yep. pastors... Like when they're, Mm -hmm. when you get a new church, you go to a different city. So like my mom, when they finally got to Tampa, she was like, I'm not going anywhere, but also (laughs) fuck, is your mom religion because it's full of judgment and hypocrisy. Is your mom like the alternate version of me? Probably. Are you actually my son? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my, so it's, it's, it was just very weird. They wanted us to do good. They wanted us to go to school, but they were also like, be whatever you want. Listen to whatever you want. Like, I remember my mom taking us to a corn concert when I was 12. Wow. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we we just got, we were skateboarders. Like, when she found out we smoked weed for the first time, she's like, just don't get caught doing it again. Right. Don't get caught doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> Not don't do again. it. It's like, be, if you got caught before, yeah. don't get caught again. Be smart if you're going to do drugs. <laughs> See, I, oh, wow. See, there's part of me that goes like, I can't imagine that, but there's also part of me that feels like that, that would be my concern as that kind of parent would be like, I fucking raised you better than to get caught. Like, yeah, smoke pot, but like fucking, you know, like, Pull an M and M or something, like you know what I mean. Like fucking blame this shit on someone else. Like you should know better. Like see that's and that's the difference between my brother and I. My brother was so blatant about all the bad shit he did. Like, for instance, like, he wa- he wanted the Marshall Mathers LP on cassette when it first came out. He was had mm. to have been like seven, six or seven, and he convinced my grandmother that it was a, a you know, a nice record that he could listen to. And she bought it for him. That's fantastic. And as soon as he got home, he held it up in the air and was like, mom, look what Nana bought me. Like just didn't give a fuck about getting caught doing the wrong thing. Whereas like, I was like, all right, I got caught once. Let me figure out how I can be. So he was unapologetic. You're more crafty about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably a lot more criminal minded. In yeah, that no, sense. smart, smart. <laughs> First rule: well, any criminal no. a- a- enterprises don't have any fucking witnesses. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, you did not plan a Columbine. That's true. So yeah. how I mean, how criminal can you be? I'm also not bipolar schizophrenic. So <laughs> well, like, that's, that's true, true. too. Uh, well, that I, really fucks up everything. It, it really not does. being yeah. bipolar schizophrenic. 
Also, yeah. we don't know he hasn't planned a Columbine. He just hasn't told That's us. That's true. I can honestly say I've never thought about taking a gun to school and Listen, using it. law enforcement, I promise that this has never happened. No, like, I was, I mean, because we were both, like, gothic alternative. Like, my, my brother painted his nails, dyed his hair black. I wore the same Slipknot hoodie to school every day. So, like, he used the coin. He used the term, like, I was getting bullied, so fuck all of y'all. I don't know how to do with this repressed anger. I'm going to fucking right. kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was like, oh, you want to fucking make fun of me? Let's fight. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. That's how I thought about it. I was like, I don't need to fucking, I'm not threatening <laughs> anybody, but if you got a problem with me, let's fucking Let, let's go. Let's figure let's it out. Yeah. yeah. But they dialed up the aggression in you just like a touch or two more. Yeah, and then I got jumped, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to try. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I need to shift my strategy. Yeah, I was like, uh, let me just be nice to everyone. Yeah. That, that was me, too, in high school, because like I, I was that dude who was like in every social circle, but like I wasn't really a part of every social circle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Almost, almost sounds like you were a comedian. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so that was the thing is like you had all those weird moments where you're like talking with people and they're like, uh, and like in my naivete, it's like looking back on it now, it's like, oh yeah, all of you are like the goth kids because they were wearing like the Slipknot t-shirts and stuff like that. But you're just like, oh cool, you're the guys who don't make fun of me for watching anime. Like awesome. Like, Yeah, and see, and that's like the weird thing with like doing stand-up. Like I think about my childhood and going to like, concert like heavy metal concerts and then like when i got old enough to start going to like local shows like local band shows mm-hmm. like i would go to those every weekend and so like i was constantly surrounded by um entertainment and i like i don't know if you like what made you want to do stand-up but i think being a part of like entertainment and seeing like how bands command a, an audience Helped me like want yeah. to like figure out that I wanted to be on stage making people laugh. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I'll agree that it was partially that because you know, like you mentioned earlier, there's that need for validation. I think a big thing though was like that first night I went up, I ate such a huge bag of dicks that my brain was like, "We can't let it end." Here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That's great. I can't let it go down like this. Yeah. And well, so that's what happened. So, I was like, so your entire comedy career has just been trying to salvage that first performance. Yeah, kind of. Well, so the first time I ate a giant bag of dicks and then my brain goes like, next time we got to do better than this. I was like, next time? I was like, yeah, next time. And then the next time I went up and I ate a similar <laughs> bag of dicks. And then before I knew it, like... It had been like a year or two in, and then pe- like people at the improv were like, "Hey, man, that was a fucking good set." And you're like, "Oh, I guess this is just who I am as a person." <laughs> <laughs> all I've been doing is running away from that feeling, and I've I was running towards something all along. So did you did you like so from that first time that you started performing? How long after that before you realized you were like, all right, maybe I should pen some ideas down before I so, grab the microphone again? So the first, from when I first started doing stand-up, I thought of, I, I was the typical douchebag who had never done comedy before. I thought it was just speaking off the top of your head. Right. Uh, I, I think it was probably like the fifth or sixth time that I started, you know, realizing like, I got to at least think this through before I get up or whatever. And I have no problem admitting this. 
when I first started, I just looked at a bunch of like old jokes from like fucking movies where I was like, how would I say this in like a modern context? Just like a structure wise. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, and the, and again, this is like six things in when I didn't know like, oh, you can't fucking lift jokes, you know, like, or whatever. Uh, and then I think I literally did that like twice. And then like someone pulled me aside as like, are you fucking lifting bits? And I was like, what is that? And oh, like, shit. Yeah. And I was like, they're like, yeah, like, I know you're trying to say this in like a, like in your own voice, but like that's a joke from like a Danny Kay film. And I was like, yeah, I love Danny Kay. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> that's and they're what like, you do, right? You right, just yeah, watch old Danny Kay movies. And they're like, no, they're like, like if you really want to do this thing, like you got to write your own material or whatever. And I think it was around like that when I, when it really kind of clicked of like, oh, I got to write something completely original. I can't take an idea that I saw and been like, how would I say this to a group of people? Because even then it was, it was still me trying to say the thing to a group of people. Right. You know, so it was like, you know, it, it would be a Danny K bit of like, this guy, this guy looks like he's got the smarts that this guy looks like he lost, you know, I had the same thing with, like emulating Mitch Hedberg where, but like yeah. luckily there's definitely was, that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just like, so <clears throat> I was lucky enough to be such a comedy nerd by the time I was doing it. I knew at least not to say the same thing he said. Right. So, the, so that's what I'm talking about because for me, it was, it's not like I was ripping word from word, but the idea, yeah, it was definitely like, this is the core premise of something. So it's that emulation you're talking yeah. about. It's like, I'm trying to deliver this in a style that feels similar to what I've I feel seen like in that, movies. Everyone does like that, that though. When they first start yeah. in a sense, I, I definitely, I, I have two distinct. I remember a guy who this was when Louis CK first started like really blowing up and, and the, the, at least the comedy community was like, what's going on with this guy, yeah. you know? And I remember watching some guy, it was all original material. It was good material, but he was doing Louis CK. I mean, body language, rhythm. At one point he told a joke, said the guy's name and said, man, it's really fucked up that I just said that guy's name. That is exactly what CK had done in his last special. Mm. And I, I was offended by it, but also I was like, I don't even know if this guy knows he's doing it. Right. He, 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 he has probably, probably sat, yeah, he so has much. probably watched the last three CK specials 12 times each and has just started to absorb that energy. You know, I remember seeing another guy when I first started and um, he was doing Carlin. He wasn't doing Carlin's jokes. It was original stuff, but you know, Carlin has that mannerisms and shit. Well, but he also, Carlin had that. I'm a modern man, a man for the new millennium. And it was just all these like little cliches just stacked on top of each other. This guy did that. Only it wasn't, I'm a modern man. It was, it was like, I think it was like about rednecks or something. I'm a redneck. I ride a dud and the rhythm of it and the stacking of the cliches. It was, it was, I'm a modern man. With different words. So that's kind of what I was talking about with the Danny K thing. Right. Of like, because to me, I was like, okay, like you're just going up and you're saying this off the top of your head. So like there's kind of, you know, like you're talking about like a certain rhythm and style that I need to say this in. So it's like, 
all right, so, you know, this is a Danny Kay premise, so how would I talk about something similar to that in, like, a modern context? How would I kind of deliver this to, oh, you got to be kind of rapid fire, you know, it's like, And you no. got to talk like this. Right, and it's like, and you, you got to say kid. Yeah, and it's like, you didn't write, it's like, you didn't write a joke. You, <laughs> you just talked about the fact that you couldn't get fucking laid which we could clearly see by the fact that you're on stage right now <laughs> in like kind of a fast talking voice that sucked. Like, yeah. So, uh, speaking of expert jokes and expert oh, joke God. writing and expert joke delivery, I would like to uh, pass something across the table. We're not going to spend too much time. We're going to, but we can't spend too much time talking about the object because we've done this. 20 times now on this podcast, <laughs> and I'm sure people are sick of hearing about it. But uh, I just, just give us your reactions to this. Let's see. This. Let's see this. What is this? Oh, he's just gone silent. Oh, am I supposed to be reading? Uh, no, that, you said, you said I, don't I just give, want no, your give, give us your reaction. <laughs> what's going on inside of you right now? It doesn't look like it's good, whatever it is. The, the lip is starting to curl. There's, so, <laughs> there's definitely a snarling about to happen. So. He's not doing original. Nope. Nope. Stuff. He. This he is, is a piece of shit. That's what this is. Yeah. He's doing the exact same thing that as a as at somebody first starting out. I had I managed to avoid, and this dude's essentially made that a part of his I career. I have passed across a compact disc called Ed R the Machine Regine tells one hundred of the funniest jokes he's ever heard. Go ahead, crack it open. Who, who Take a look guy? at the disc. Who is this guy? He, he's at the Machine Regime, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> he, he is a movie star to some. He's. <laughs> it, this is. He signed it for you. He did sign I it for like me. An asshole now. <laughs> no, um, you're right. Uh, Everything you've said so far is correct. Here's what I'm really enjoying. A lot of times when we pass this over, people get really emotional and they kind of start babbling about it. You've Already, you look like you've been hurt by this. I just like you're traumatized and you don't want to talk about it. Just it just makes me like <laughs> I just feel like I'm a piece of shit for not actually working harder and putting out my original material well, in a project. You in this might guy's. you might have a different opinion here in a moment. <laughs> um, go ahead and crack that bitch back open. Let's look at track number fifty six. Can you tell us what that one's called? Blood donor. Blood donor. It may or may not be about a blood donor because a lot of the track names don't match the actual track. Um, a lot of the track, at least two that we found so far, the the joke just cuts off in the middle and goes into the next track. Um, and, and as always, in the defense of Ed, <laughs> if such a thing can be said, uh, most of them have started lining up recently. Yeah, in the last, maybe the last 25 or so have actually been the joke that he says they are, but at least the first 25, 30 uh, were all over the yeah, place. Our expectation is we're going to get to the end of this and it's going to suddenly start going back to, yeah, it has to, it's, I get the impression that he accidentally moved the last 25 over, you know what I mean? <laughs> so eventually they will start to become wildly mismatched. So again, how, how did you meet this guy? I did not meet this guy. This is a sincere gift given with love from a family member who saw this comedian and said, oh, my brother-in-law will like this. And <laughs> it was I, meant to inspire him. And I have been laughing at her and at this thing on this podcast. for so, about. So you got this recently? No, th we, we've been doing this almost every episode for three years, however long we've been doing this yeah. podcast. And um, 
we are listening to it at the same time you are. So we've not heard track 56. Oh, we get to hear some oh, of it. Oh, we get yes, to hear so some of it. Now, Fuck we yeah. have dealt with this man for 55 tracks. <laughs> so whatever reaction you have, you're looking at two beaten down men right now. So you listen to a new joke each time. <laughs> yeah, you're like, finger quotes on the word joke. <laughs> yeah, I, depending on how many we get through. We might have time for two, but we're definitely going to listen to Blood Donor, which might not be about a blood donor. A man and a woman are at a donation center. There we go. The guy says to the woman, hi, are you here to give blood? She says, why, yes. Every time I give blood, they give me $25. She said, what about you? He said, well, I'm donating sperm. Every time I do that, they give me $100. Several months later, they meet again at the same donation center. And he says to her, are you here to give blood again? And she shakes her head with her cheeks puffed out and said, Did she swallow cum? Was that yeah, the does, she, does she have a dick in her mouth? The joke. Oh, my God. It's another one that we don't understand, Ed, the, the, because you're an idiot. The joke. It, the joke. Ah, oh, the joke. The jo- <laughs> Just calling it a joke hurts you, wounded you. The joke is that her mouth is full of semen because she's been blowing dudes. Ha, 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 ha. And she got $100 for blowing the dudes? This this might have been funny in like the 70s or it, 60s. It or might have been 70s. funny when he heard it and it was told well. Yeah. That might have been when it was funny. So when, when he didn't add details like $100 that throw me off and try to make me figure out the end. It's yeah. Such a, so it's like a... It's a podcast essentially for this guy's <laughs> stealing jokes. So our hope, our fondest hope, is that we get through all of these. Right? We get somehow managed to get to Ed. Ed comes on the show, and then we can confront him about this travesty. Is he in Florida? Uh, I, do we know where he's, he's a in Hollywood? Comic. I mean, he's oh, he's a cruise ship comic. He lives in. He must live in Hollywood because he does have parts in big movies. He's like the waiter in certain movies or whatever. He's like he's been in movies with Robert De Niro and shit, you know, but um, but not like the guy. He's yeah, you know, he, he's the bus boy who says over here, sir. You know, you know what's crazy is he looks a lot like the um, actor from um, Meet the Fuckers. What's what's oh. uh, Ben Stiller's dad? Who's that actor? What's his name? He's famous. It, it it's it, no is that De Niro no no no, 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 no. It was, Hoffman was Ben Stiller's dad right Hoffman yeah he looks like Hoffman like play on that you can do, a, <laughs> you can do original material looking like Dennis Hoffman he, here's the thing though his on stage act is actually vastly different like we've he's, seen yeah, clips we we've done a deep dive on this like, guy so he's got original material and it's it's not bad <laughs> yeah. the the three people in this room would not enjoy his act. But when he's on a cruise ship doing, I mean, he he does really well. He's got a high energy. He's charismatic. He's a good comic. He makes old people laugh, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or corny people. <laughs> right. And here's the thing is that makes this even more offensive to me. <laughs> right. Because I go, if you can do that, then what the fuck is this, Ed? Why, why did you subject me to this? What did I do to you? God, uh, is he selling that? Yes. Yeah. So my brother, if you know my brother, what I'm about to say is the strangest thing in the world. But my brother really likes going on cruises, which is hilarious because if people think I'm a curmudgeon, wait till you meet Phil, you know, <laughs> but he loves cruises. So they, he and his wife, every so often find themselves on a cruise. There was a cruise ship comic. They went, 
She had a great time. She goes, well, my brother-in-law does comedy. I'll get, and I don't think she put together that maybe his act that night was fucking awesome. Yeah. And maybe she like, maybe it was a real, maybe I would have been crying laughing, but then this asshole is selling badly told jokes that he didn't write. And she just goes, Oh, this must be the same thing I just saw. You know what I mean? It's not even like a live album. He's reading to you. Right, yeah. Like he and not be... very well. Yeah, like he couldn't be bothered to take a, do a second take on that. Like The number, he did it a little bit in this one, but the number of times in his jokes that I can hear him kind of skipping and trying to remember the next part of the joke. You know what I mean? Like that little, and then the guy like went pause, to the, yeah. yeah. And to me, th- this is what I, I kind of hope as far as the longevity for our podcast is concerned. So I go, I want us to get through this. I want us to confront Ed. And then on the back end of that. <laughs> and then murder. <laughs> right. And then on the back end of that, I want every comic who comes on to leave one fucking joke behind. And we'll Yeah, record. we're going to go. Eventually, when we hit 100, we're going to call back everyone we've ever had on the podcast and have them tell one of their favorite jokes. Right. And then we'll... Off of his album? No, no, no. Oh, just our, our you. Own. But it can't be your joke. Oh, so you yes. have to have a street joke that you like that you tell. And then we'll release it as a charity album of 100 <laughs> or 102 of the funniest jokes yeah. we've ever heard. It's going to be 100 <laughs> actually good jokes <laughs> is going to be the title. That's so great. Uh, because fuck not. this dude. Yeah. <laughs> we got time to listen to one more? Just one. I mean, day. we're at an hour, but we can do. Let's do one more. Let's let's torture ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's find out what it may or may not be about. Uh 57, 57. It may or may not be about a gold urinal. Gold. By the way, not gold in. Gold. Gold <laughs> urinal. So he's right. a grammar. I don't think he could f- fix yeah. or get the. Uh, oh, and the, e and U- the U and urinal was lowercase. Yeah. So yeah. it's not. It's probably actually- a spacing <laughs> issue. <laughs> a man comes home at Do- 2 no. o'clock in the no, morning no, no, no. and he's drunk out of Listen his. Listen to him set it up. Listen to him breathe in. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Listen to this. <laughs> Fucking listen to this. A man comes home at 2 o'clock in the morning and he's drunk out of his mind and his wife is livid. He said, honey, don't be mad at me. I was just at the corner bar. I had a couple of drinks and the place is so fancy you won't believe it. I could not believe it. He said, the urinals are made of gold. His wife is so pissed off, she calls the bar and says, my husband was down there. He came home stinking drunk and he's telling me you got urinals covered in gold. The bartender puts the phone down and yells, Hey, Clarence, I think we found the guy who pissed in your saxophone. Here's what happened. <laughs> he thought that the saxophone was a urinal. Which, because funny, he was very drunk. That's a funny premise, but it was could somebody be. else's. It could be. Yeah, if, it, right. if it's yeah. told better. Ah, man, he sounds like he would have been funny for the mob. Yeah. <laughs> well, he How looks do you like think he, was he in got the, the gig in the first place? <laughs> uh, well, he, lo- he looks once like again, a dick. Ed yeah. sucks all the joy out of the room. I, I mean, I wish it, I wish him well, and I'm glad he's getting paid <laughs> no, to steal other people's That's, just, that's shit. so kind of you <laughs> <laughs> to wish him. <laughs> I wonder how many of these he has in his garage. Yeah, probably you, so many. You don't understand. <laughs> Ed sells that shit like hotcakes, or else why would it be listed on his website? Yeah, that's true. All right, boys. It has been about an hour. It's time to wrap it up. 
Mr. Say Your Name Again. Tell us where we can find uh, you. Devin Alexander. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm there. Devin A. Pickett. That's my real name. Uh, you got any upcoming I, dates? This will probably come out in early February-ish. February, not at the moment. Okay. Um, but my podcast, The One Man You Can't Stand, you can find it anywhere you get any podcasts. You know, Apple, Google, Spotify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the main ones. I don't know anybody else that listens to anything else. Right. Um, yeah, our link tree has a whole bunch of shit where I'm like, nobody's clicking on that. <laughs> Not at all. Overcast? What? Is yeah. it rainy outside? iHeartRadio? Is that still happening? Are people still doing that? I mean, we do also have YouTube where people might. Yes, listen, that's the best. So. That's the easiest. Um, yeah, I'm not on... I'm, I have a YouTube channel. None of my podcasts is on there, so don't worry about it. Just my horrible stand-up <laughs> from six years ago is on there. Um, that we can't get down. Yeah. Uh, well, I like to end this podcast with a question. And uh, my question to the two of you is, uh, so how about this? I knew you were going to fucking ask that because you always fucking ask that. And you know what? I'm just going to say this. You know, because he's our guest and he fucking deserves better than this. So how about this? How about it? Uh, how about them apples, Ed Gein? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're done. That was it. (laughs) Everything we do matters. Hey, thanks for listening to that episode of So How About This? Whatever you are using to listen, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, hit whatever extra button they make you push these days. On Twitter, you can find us at So How About This One. The words are So How About This, followed by the number one. Leave us some beautiful comments there. Ask us questions. If you want us to talk about something on the podcast, let us know. We'll bring it up while we record, and uh, we'll see you next time.